In this episode, Dr. Justin Hillhouse continues the series entitled, A Man's Handbook. Dr. Hillhouse points out two things that David tells his son Solomon to carry out, that we men can also undertake, which are easy. We men just have to decide to actually do them. In addition, Hillhouse mentions men are manly in their own way. A man doesn't have to be physically strong to be manly. Now let's hear from Dr. Justin Hillhouse. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Y'all give it up for Sloan's. It's hard to come up here, be the opening act. Give it up for him. Uh, John Mark is, is out uh, uh, over the next couple days. He uh, is visiting his son, his youngest, uh, Jared, up in Arkansas. So uh, please uh, be in prayer for him and Gina and for travel safeties as they take some time up there with him. If you have your copy of God's Word, please open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, and we're going to look in the first three verses there. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now, back in 1963, there was this group called Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. And in 1963, that hit song, uh, it was one of three hit songs that came out, and it was that song called Walk Like a Man. How, how many of y'all know the song I'm talking about? Walk like a man! What's funny is Frankie Valli sounds like a girl when he sings, but either way, <clears throat> the song, you know, y'all start singing, Walk like a man, talk like a man, walk like a man, my... Son, you know. Um, thank you. Here's how the words of the song go, though. All right. Here are the verses. Oh, how you tried to cut me down to size, telling dirty lies to my friends. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, okay. But my own father said, listen to this. But my own father, but my own father said to give her up. Don't bother. The world isn't coming to an end. And he said, you know, walk like a man, talk like a man, walk like a man, my son. No woman's worth crawling on the earth, so walk like a man, my son. Here's the second verse. Bye, baby. I don't mean maybe. Gonna get along somehow. Soon you'll be crying on account of all your lying. Yeah, look who's laughing now. Walk like a man as fast as I can. Walk like a man from you. I'll tell the world, forget about it, girl, and walk like a man from you. In a nutshell, this song was written about breakups. And it was written for Frankie Valley by Frankie Valley, talking about breaking up and walking away from a girl that is cheating on him, that is telling him lies. Six men were part of a round table, <clears throat> and uh, they were part of this company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. You probably have. You might even use their products, but it's Harry's Razor Company. How many of y'all use Harry's Razors? I've never used them. I'm a Gillette man, but either way, um, yeah, it doesn't work very well. Thank you for that, Kirk. But the whole point of Harry's Razors Company and all their shaving products is to market to men. We are their target audience, okay? And so when they were forming this company and coming together, they all sat down and they had a round table. And they began to talk 
about how do we market to men. And what they came uh, to a conclusion on is that every man is manly in their own way. In other words, when we think of being a man, what enters into our mind typically is that big, strong guy that likes to hunt and fish and chew nails and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that's not what every man looks like. That's not how every man acts. One guy said this, Mark Green from the Good Men Project, and this is quite fascinating. He said this, and I quote, When we talk about the rules of being a real man, those rules aren't just handed to us on a sheet of paper. They are pounded into us daily. And men are going to continue to confront this question. Am I man enough? Am I man enough? And in 1 Kings chapter 2, we find that David is laying on his deathbed. David is getting ready to die and he calls his son Solomon in to have a discussion with him and he gives him some advice. And David tells him many things in 1 Kings chapter 2. But I think today, the first thing that he tells him, the first thing that he reminds him of is something that I need to hear It's something my son needs to hear. It's something my nephews need to hear. It's something that every man around me, they need to hear and they need to be reminded. And so today, I just want to take a few moments and really just spend some time reminding each one of us what is it like to be a man and to act like a real, true Man, and here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. David gave a charge, he gave a challenge, an enjoin, an urge, or an order to him. He brought him in, and he said, hey, there is something I want to tell you, and I want to get across to you. And as I was, as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking, man... Why is David telling his son this now when he's on his deathbed? And as he's telling this to him, I want to sit there and I want to go, you know what, this is something I don't want to tell my son when I'm laying on my deathbed. I need to tell him now. So I can go to him and I can remind him now. This is something I need to tell my nephews. This is something I need to be able to hopefully tell my grandchildren while I am still strong and I am not laid up in a bed. But he brings his son in and he says, listen, this is something I need to tell you. And so in verse 2, this is what he says. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm about to die. And this is what happens to us mortals and to everything here on this physical earth. Until Jesus comes back, everything passes away. But then he says this, So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. David gives Solomon two distinct things, two distinct 
directives real quick that I'd like to go through. And the first directive is this. Simply exercise what God has given each one of you as a man. Exercise what God has given each one of you as a man. When you look there in verse 2, what does he say? I'm about to die. I'm about to go the way of the earth. So be strong and act like a man. David simply tells Solomon to be strong, act like a man. And again, when we think of a man, we think of a guy that is big, that is strong. They are intimidating. You know, I think of Mike Wagers. You know, when he walks in the room, I kind of get scared. And you know what I do? I kind of bow up a little bit because I don't want him to know that I'm scared. And I really think I can whip him. I really do. I might have to bring my lunch, and it might take a while. I was at the gym the other day. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what? I'm done. I've had enough. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, this is it's going to get even more interesting. I'm at the gym the other day, and there's this big hoss of a man. I mean, he is massive. I mean, first of all, he's like six foot five, and he is jacked. And he looks at me, and he's like, hey, man, can you come over here and spot me? And I'm thinking, dude, I must be looking pretty buff myself, because he's asking me to come over and spot him. And so we walk over there to the bench press, and I look at the weights that are on this thing. And he's got 415 pounds on this thing. And I got to spot him. And I'm going, yeah, man, I can do this, no problem. You know, I'm totally faking it until I make it, right? And he lays down there, and he cranks out five reps. One, two, three, four, like it's nothing. And then he puts it up there, and I'm like, dude, what do you need me for? You know, but I think he's done. And he goes, hey, man, can you wait a minute? Let me rest so I can do it again. You're going to do another set at 415? And so I begin to talk to him and I ask him, I said, dude, what do you do for a living? He goes, I'm a security guard. And I'm like, are you a bouncer or what? And he's like, no, I work for Amazon and I work at the warehouse. And I'm like, well, what do you do at the warehouse? He goes, I make sure people at the warehouse don't steal the products that Amazon is trying to. Uh, to ship out. I'm like going, dude, nobody wants to steal anything with you standing around because you will break them into multiple pieces, right? And so we kind of laugh and joke about it. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he gets down and he cranks out another set. And he goes, hey, man, do you have time? Can you wait one more time? Three sets of five this guy cranks out at 4.15. Man, what a hoss. And I'm like, dude, are you done? He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't need you anymore. He takes off a couple weights. And by the end, by the time I'm leaving, he's still on the bench press. And he's just cranking out 225 like it's nothing. I mean, that guy, I look at him and I'm like, dude, you're a stud. But when we think of men, we just simply think about strength. But you see, David, he's a pretty typical man when you think about David. This guy's a stud. He's a warrior. He's a killer. He's killed men. 
When he was growing up, he was a shepherd. He'd be out there in the field outside all day. He didn't grow up in a house. He grew up, grew up out in the field. He was protecting his sheep. And then he was a man of war. God even says, hey, David, listen, you have blood on your hands because you are a man of war. This guy is intimidating. And he brought all of Israel together. Why is David such a great king? Because he was able to bring everybody together, all the tribes together under one nation. See, Solomon was raised completely different. You know that? Solomon was not raised out in the field. Solomon did not go out and kill lions, tigers, and bears. Solomon didn't kill anybody. Solomon was raised in a palace. He had the cush life. But the question is, is does that make Solomon any less of a man than David? And the answer is, is no, it didn't. It still makes him a man. It's still, he still is a man. He's just a different kind of man. And for each one of us here in this room, we are all men. But we cannot allow society to define us who we are. Rather, we need to allow God to define us as who we are as men. Each one of us are different. And yet God has called each one of us to be a man, to act like a man. In Titus chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says this, Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Titus instructs seasoned men to teach the young men in the way they should go. And what does Titus tell us? He tells us to address the character of a man. Not their vocation, not their hobby, not what they look like, but rather to address the character. Because all those other things will go away. Strength will go away. The good thing I know about that guy that was cranking out 415, eventually he will not be able to do that. There will be things and hobbies that we do one day, that we can do today, that we may not be able to do tomorrow or next year. And so what makes, what, what, what does a man act like? What does a man really, truly act like? I think there are three biblical principles we can exercise as a man. So here they are. Number one, real men, and in order to act like a man, must exercise the right kind of character. Real men must exercise the right kind of character. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verse 11, it says this, But you, man of God, but you, man of God, not man of the world, but man of God. This is how God defines a man's man. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue these character traits. I love what Micah 6.8 says. He says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does God require of you? To act justly 
and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Sometimes, men, we do not always do the right thing. But we must try to always do the right thing. And it should be our intention in everything that we do and in everything that we say to do the right thing. That is what God wants from us. We, we may not do it perfectly, but the intent, the heartbeat is to try to do what is right, to pursue those things of righteousness. When you're in the office, there's always, it should always be at the forefront of our mind in doing this or in doing that. Hey, what is the right thing to do? What is the right way to act? What are the right things to say? Second thing we should exercise is this. We need to exercise courage. We can understand about the character, but then we also need to exercise courage. And let's be honest, there are a lot of scary things out in this world. Courage is an admirable quality. Um, and courage is simply being able to have the ability to confront frightening things. It takes courage for a knight to go battle a dragon but it also takes courage for a young child to walk into a, class, a new classroom. still takes courage to do that. And so in everything that we do, and I don't, I don't think about this too often, but in everything that we do, there is an element of risk. There's an element of risk in everything that we do. We get in our car and we drive up here to Men's Bible Summit. Guess what? That's a risk. Right? You could get in a car wreck. There are people that live only in their homes because they're so scared to walk out the door. They're scared. And people live like that. And God has not called us to be scared or to be frightened, but rather to take courage. It's a true story. One summer morning, a guy by the name of Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast. And as he gazed out his window, there was a small girl and it had just rained and it was flooding. And this girl was being swept down a drainage ditch in Andover, Ohio. And so when Ray Blankenship saw this happening, he knew just down the way of that ditch, there, was, uh, uh, there would be a culvert and it would suck her down, and there's no telling where that girl would go. And so Ray left the kitchen, ran out the door, and ran alongside the ditch fast enough to barely get ahead of the girl. Then he jumped in that ditch that was extremely deep, grabbed the girl, and they are floating down this ditch, and just several feet before that culvert was to suck him in, he was able to grab onto a rock. And as the emergency crews were showing up, he was dragging that young girl out of the rushing waters there in that ditch. It was a year later, 
1989, on April 12th of 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard's uh, Silver Life-Saving Medal. Talk about a brave guy. But see, not a whole lot of people knew this. Ray Blankenship couldn't swim. He couldn't swim. Yet he set all that fear aside and he ran out there to do what needed to be done. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. I think of Joshua when he's getting ready to march into Canaan and take over Jericho. And what does God tell him? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. There are many verses in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you can go discover them for yourself, that repeat over and over and over again as men to be strong and courageous. There, is, uh, there are some scary things out there. There are risks to take. What does 1 Timothy tell us? We should not have an attitude of fear. That's not the way God created us. It's not the way God made us. Rather, we should be courageous. Be, be courageous. I, I, I like what Billy Graham said. He said, courage is contagious. When a man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. That's a great quote. Courage is contagious. And when somebody takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. You know, there are some guys at work that are just standing around and they're waiting for somebody to stand up and to take a stand for something. To say, hey, this is what's right. And I don't care the consequences. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And we as men, it is up to us as men of God is to stand for what is right. And guys, that takes courage. And people are not going to like it. People are even going to be scared of it and they will retaliate. And that's okay. Because guess what? As we follow God, last time I checked, God is always right. And so I want to be on His side. Don't you? I want to be on God's side. I don't want to be on the world's side. I don't want to be over there where, where they're thinking. I want to be where God is thinking. And if God says this is right, then we as men, we need to stand up for what is right. And that takes courage. Does it not? That takes courage. And guys, we need to be able to tell our kids that. Son, whatever it is they're talking about at school, if it's wrong, you stand up and you tell them it's wrong. And whatever happens, happens. But no, I got your back. Because you know what? You're following God. You're doing what God has asked us to do. God gives us courage. We should exercise that courage. To so take the third thing we see, that we need to exercise this. As men, if we're going to act like a man, we need to have 
character. We need to have courage. The third thing is this, is love. That's the third thing, love. Because from love so much comes. Out of love comes humility. Out of love comes generosity. Out of love comes patience and hope and joy and forgiveness and long-suffering and meekness. And the list can go on and on and on. Being a man is not so much about all the machismo that you give off, but it is how much you give and you show love. A real man of character loves his wife. A real man of character respects his boss. A real man of character respects his employees. A real man of character loves, and because he loves, therefore he gives. He is generous. He is generous to his family. He is generous to others that are in need. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the chapter of love. And a lot of people that are getting married, they always uh, go to that chapter. And that chapter is great because what it says is no matter how good you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter what you do, no matter whatever success it is that you have in life, guess what? It doesn't matter unless you have love. It doesn't matter. And so, gentlemen... For us to act like a man, we need to love. And for some of us, we really struggle with that. We struggle in how to show it. We just don't know what to do. I tell you what, you can start simply by loving your family at home, loving your kids, loving your wife, serving them. Start by loving the things of God. Man, I love those things. Spending time with Him. Andrew Murray said this, Our love to God, I love this, is measured by our everyday fellowship with others and the love it displays. It is measured by our interaction with others. How we even just simply treat others. What does it mean to act like a man? It means to exercise the right kind of character, to exercise courage, and to exercise love. And this leads us to our second thought, and that's this, is that there are good reasons to follow Scripture. David says, hey, listen, there are good reasons to follow Scripture. At the tail end of verse 3, he says this, Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. David tells Solomon everything he needs to know and to do to be successful in life. Everything you need to know, everything you need to do to have success in life is found in the Bible. It is found in the law of Moses. It is found in Scripture. Look at what it says there in verse 3 at the very beginning. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Note this, the written word, Scripture, is our rule. It is our measuring stick. And get this, Solomon himself must do 
what is written. It is not something that David can do. It is not anything David's advisors can do. It's not anything Solomon's wife can do. It's solely up to Solomon. Nobody else can do it. Only he can do it. It's not up to anybody else. Can I tell you what really chaps my hide? Can I just be honest? I'm going to be honest. I don't care. Tuesday morning, it's just before 7 so I can say it and get away with it. You know what? You know what? I just want to grab some people, slap them around. It bugs me when parents pull up to the church and they drop their kids off and then they go to Denny's for breakfast. Y'all ever experienced that or seen that? Parents will pull up, drop their kids off, and kids will go to church, and the parents will go somewhere else. And then when you finally talk to the parents and you say, hey, listen, I'm so glad that your kids come to church. Where are you? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we just think it's really good for the kids to go to church. You know, we think it will really help them. You know what's going to help you? Going to church. Why aren't you in church? And let me just kind of say this. It's going to be better for the kids that you're in church. But you see, it is up to you to take care of yourself when it comes to the things of God. Nobody else can do it for you. What does David say? David tells Solomon, it is up to you to walk in obedience to him. It is up to you to keep his laws and decrees and commands. It is up to you to keep God's laws. It is not up to your wife. It is not up to your parents. It is not up to your kids. It is not up to anybody. It solely falls on you. It solely falls on me. It's directly to Solomon. It's directly to me to follow God's command. Nobody else can do it. John Mark can't do it. Justin Frazier can't do it. And even if he did, he wouldn't do a good job at it. Man, everybody's harping on me. i got to harp on somebody else. It's completely up to you, guys. It squarely falls on your shoulders. And so step up to the plate, be a man, act like a man, and simply do it. That's it. It's not hard, it's not complicated. What does it mean to walk in obedience, to keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as is written? To walk in obedience to him, according to Holman's Illustrated uh, Dictionary, a succinct definition of walking in obedience to him is this, to hear God's word and to act accordingly. Wow to hear God's word, and to act according, accordingly. Biblical obedience is to hear, trust, submit, surrender to God and his word. I like what James 1, 22 through 25 says. We always talk about uh, 22, but we never read the rest of it. It says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I love that. Just do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not... Uh, do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently 
into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. I hear all the time on Sunday morning, wow, man, John Mark preached a good sermon. Oh, wow, Saturday night, Bo preached a good sermon. Listen, I'm glad it was a good sermon, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter how good it is. If you don't do it, then it's really just a bunch of wasted time. It really is. And there are things that John Mark is teaching from Scripture. There are things Bo is teaching from Scripture that, man, we hear it and we go, man, I need to do that. But then we never go and take that step to do it. Men, we need to step up to the, We need to begin to do it. Henry Blackaby said this, If you know that God loves you, you should never question a directive from Him. It will always be right and best. When He gives you a directive, you are not to just observe it, discuss it, or debate it. You are to obey it. Christianity is not just something that we learn. It is an active faith. It is something that we go do. We don't walk away and go, oh, that's good. We need to participate. We need to do what God says. I love what Jesus said. He said this in Luke eleven twenty eight. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word and obey it. Who hear the word and obey. Who simply do it. What is David communicating to Solomon? Don't only listen to what God says and say, oh, that's great, Rabbi. But rather now go and do it. Walk in obedience. Do what it says. And then it says this, and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written. What does this mean? Just for the sake of simplicity, a decree is a law, a command is an order. In other words, know what God's law is and know what God has told us to do. God is not asking us. God is telling us. God is commanding us. Neither a law nor a command is optional. Neither a law or command is optional. You either obey it or you do it or you don't. It's really quite simple. You either do it or you don't. And what are the laws? What are the commands there for? They're there to tell us if we sin or not. So if we obey the laws, we obey the commands, guess what? We know we're living rightly. If we disobey them, then guess what? We know we are living in sin. They are a good measuring stick. That helps us. It, it governs us in the ways that we should go. It guides us in the ways it should go. Guys say all the time, yeah, I love Jesus. But look at what Jesus says in John 14, 15. If you love me, if you love me, keep my commands. That's it. How do we know that we love Jesus? It's very simple. We do what he says. We do what he says. And so guys, this is real simple today. But I think I need to be reminded of it. I hope you're reminded of it. And man, I, I want to encourage you. Act like a man. Exercise character. Exercise courage. Exercise love. And obey the things God 
has called us and commanded us to do. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you created us uh, to worship you, to honor you. God, I pray as we go our separate ways today, God, I ask that uh, we would take responsibility for ourselves. Not worry about anybody else. Not do uh, or not force somebody to do something that, uh, you know, that we just think would be good for them but not good for us. But God, that rather we would lead by example. That God, we would stand up uh, in all this mess and tell people what's right, what's wrong, and to lead by example. God, give us courage. God, help us to exercise love towards our family, towards our co-workers, to others. God, may, may we be men that when people look at us, they don't see uh, our strength or they don't see our talents, but rather, Father, they see the character that you have given us. God, they see the love, they see compassion. God, they see forgiveness. God, they see courage. God, they see godliness and holiness. They see faithfulness. They see gentleness. Father, make us men that don't just hear what you say, but God, we do what you tell us to do. We love you, Lord. May we be lights and salt in this dark world. Uh, it's in your name we pray, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, amen and amen. Y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.